the practices of movement, which are the wild, powerful practice of modern dance, the stabilizing, grounding practices of Pilates and yoga, the strengthening practices of functional fitness. I could go on. There's so much life in all of these different sort of like genres of mm-hmm. movement. And they really are important to me. I, and I almost said equally important to me, which isn't true because dance is the most <laughs> important, obviously. Science. That's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> um, but they are all so important to me because this physical body is the way that I experience the world. And how do I experience it? Through movement. And whether that is me walking from one place to another or me getting myself on a plane and, you know, physically moving or flying, (laughs) this is the way that I am in the world. Welcome to This Thing Called Movement, a podcast exploring the medium of movement and looking into how it has the capacity to transform not only our physical bodies, but potentially every other facet of our lives. I'm your host, Marie Janicek, a movement guide here to help people find their own unique and authentic relationship to movement through creativity, curiosity, and self-expression. Join me as I dive into deep conversations with a wide variety of individuals from many different fields and backgrounds. Together, we'll gain insight into their own unique movement experiences, the transformations that resulted, and how movement has affected their lives at large. I hope these recorded conversations will inspire and empower you to find your own unique movement journey in your life, in your own way. Hey everyone, today on the podcast, I'm bringing Jules Bakshi as the guest and Jules and I know each other through our education at Barnard College and Jules is such an incredible human being who has a wide array of diversified interests that actually correlate in a lot of unique and interesting ways. Together in this conversation, we discussed a lot of magical things, including the concept of home and how the concept of home interplays with not only physical spaces, but also our mental and emotional and body spaces. We discussed the depth of dance and how dance as a medium of movement offers so much possibility. 
and the importance of being able to come into contact with possibility through movement, especially through things like improvisation. And finally, we wrapped things up by diving deep into the many ways movement influences us throughout our lives in all sorts of unexpected ways. Jules did such an eloquent job of speaking her truth and her experience with movement. And I can't wait for you guys to listen in to our conversation. So go ahead and sit back, relax, tune in and enjoy. Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting for me because you've created a whole podcast out of my favorite thing to talk about, which is movement. <laughs> Yay, me too. <laughs> so I am a choreographer and a dancer, and that is one part of my life. And then I also have a private practice as an integrative nutrition health coach and what I call holistic personal training. So mm. using Pilates, stretching, alignment techniques I've picked up along the way as a dancer, um, and breathing techniques to oh, cardio to help people get kind of tailored uh, personal workouts. So those things might seem to the outside person like they exist in different worlds, but for me, they're all very related. As you know very well yes. as a dancer and someone who uses their body constantly and is hyper aware of what the body is doing, how the body is expressing, how the body is taking on the world. Um, you know that dance and the maintenance of this tool. So that means everything from physical movement to um Integra integrative nutri nutrition, which is the idea that, you know, food, lifestyle, sleep, um, stress, that's all going to affect your whole picture of health and happiness. Mm. So those things in my life, the dance and choreography and performance, and then the health coaching and sort of wellness stuff that I do have up until this point lived in kind of separate places, dance and choreography happening in one or two different places, physical spaces, I mean, mm -hmm. and then the, um, the private practices being um, in, a, in, in another physical space, usually in my home or in my client's homes. And when you talk about the new big projects that I'm working on, the biggest project is opening my own dance studio, which will function as a home for all of these different things to exist. Um, so having dance as a joy practice, as a wellness practice in the same space as my private um, teachings as a holistic personal trainer and as a health coach and having a home for my dance company, Subtle Details mm -hmm. Dance Theater, where we will hopefully um, be able to not only make work, but show work in that space. So oh, wow. finally, yeah, I guess I, I don't know if I told you that. Part. <gasps> no, I didn't. Yeah. I'm like, wow, it like it gets to tie in every little thread of your life and put it all together. Yes. In a perfect little tapestry. Yeah. And I think I've wanted that for a long time. Um, the idea 
ever since I can remember, the idea of having a home was really important to me. Like I was never a young woman or a little girl who was like, I want to get married and have babies. I was always like, I want a dog and a house. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I knew those things very clearly. And it's interesting because there was a point um, about five years ago when I was looking for a home, like I wanted to buy a home Mm. and it didn't end up happening uh, for a few different reasons. And when I was meditating recently, I realized that this idea of a home that I was kind of fixating on transformed. And the reason that it didn't happen that way was because I was already starting to want a home for the work. Um, And so Good Move, which is the name of the studio that's going to be open in April um, 2019, Good Move is the home really that I've like always wanted to build for all of these parts of my life and all of the people that I want to be a part of that family. So, um, yeah, it is, it's a lot of different things coming together, but it's going to be, I don't know. It, it, it feels really cohesive and it feels like it's happened so organically that every step of my creative and um, my creative career and my career as sort of a coach and a healer have braided together to create this. Um, it's so f- interesting that you make this distinction of this uh, project, this business actually being a home because mm-hmm. it gives it a totally different feeling, you know, when, when you're building a home, yes. a home base, a home space. Um, versus something else. And, and words are really powerful and they hold a lot of meaning. I mean, that's what this whole podcast is about, <laughs> the power and the meaning of the word movement. But it's interesting you mentioned that because this week I've been meditating on the idea of home. I found myself wanting to talk about the concept of home as it relates to movement a lot. It's just been popping into my head so much. And it's funny how even the word home can take on so many different connotations and experiences like you said it shifted from a physical house with a dog in it yeah. to like now this space that's going to be home to all these mediums all these people all these ways of interacting and and helping people and and I was even thinking about how so sometimes we get so tied into home and like physical spaces and really something that's dawned on me in the last week or so is that home is also a feeling when you're completely tied into your authentic self and you feel so at peace and so at ease with who you are and so lit up by who you are you know it's I, I've been playing around with that idea of coming home into myself and how do I come home into myself my body my person my spirit more and more often instead of and, and take that definition of home into something much bigger and much grander yeah I, I'm like nodding here the whole time. The whole time she's talking. Um, yeah, I I think that's really beautiful, and it also makes sense at our. I think at at this age, people are thinking about home too, and a lot of women that I know are manifesting that in a lot of different ways. Um, and you know, I grew up in a home that was a hub. 
it what like my family, my family's home where I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey was a constant hub of activity. And it was also a place of refuge for a lot of um, a lot of strays. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people coming through all the time and um, a lot of friends and a lot of family friends and a lot of extended family. Um, the holidays were always really big for us. And, you know, I, I think that has certainly influenced my desire for home. And also I've known for a really long time that my home was not going to look like that. Mm. Um, definitely not. I, I, I knew it wasn't going to be like that because, yeah. because, you know, when I was playing in my room, like there was, it was, it didn't look like that. It yeah. didn't, I didn't have any of the desires, the same desires that, um, that, uh, you know, that my mom had or that like some of my other girlfriends had. And, um, I actually made a dance about this, which did you dance in that piece? No, I don't think you did, but I think mm. you might've seen it nest. Oh, did you I, dance in it? The original I don't piece? Think so. No, okay. No, I think this was like right before or after one of those uh, pieces I did with you. So, Nest is a piece that I made right out of college mm-hmm. um, and have remade it several times. And the most recent iteration I made last summer um, and presented it at the 92nd Street Y. Um, and the first time I made Nest, uh, it was. Um, when did I graduate? <laughs> it was 2009. It was 2009. And my parents had recently separated. And I was asked to be a part of this group show. Um, I think Ilana Weber mm. uh, coordinated this group show at the CSV Center on the Lower East Side. And she got a couple of Barnard um, choreographers together to do a group show, which was awesome because at that time we were still had so much energy and we thought that our whole lives were going to just be like making dances and doing group shows. And somehow we were going to make money doing that. I don't know what we were thinking. (laughs) The illusion. Um, Yeah. (laughs) But so I was really excited to participate um, in a group show after college. And I started making this piece and I knew that I was interested in, um, imagery from nature. And I knew that I wanted to make a piece using imagery from nature. Diving into that deeper, I realized I wanted to make uh, a piece using bird imagery and the idea of nest and the idea of home. And this is how it works for me. So often I am making a piece and I'm like, I think it's about this. And I think it's about this. And then at the end, I look at it and I'm like, oh, that's a piece about my parents splitting up. Like, <laughs> I just didn't realize it while I was making it. It was about all these other things. But essentially, I made a dance about home mm. and about family. And I used, you know, the visual metaphor of the nest and birds and all this stuff. Um, and the general arc of the piece, and I do, my work does tend to have like a loose arcing narrative. It's not, you know, most people wouldn't be able to see it, but it is, you know, coming from my like post postmodern background, I know that there is, this is more narrative driven than a lot of the stuff that exists. Yeah. Um, the general arc of the piece is, shows these sort of like happy family birds um, and this like picture of what 
this happy family of birds looks like and this flock, you know, mm-hmm. show and we did a lot of kind of like uh studying bird movements and you know flocking things like that uh, mm. like modern 101 pretty much yeah. um and then it goes into sort of the breakdown of the nest and br- the breakdown of the family mm-hmm. and it takes a journey through a wild woods you know mm-hmm. i had these amazing props and we did these like shadows with flashlights and elisa davis played um, me and it basically yeah. the little bird who leaves <laughs> and is looking in the woods and is like, whoa, this is crazy. What's out here? And um, it ends with a new kind of nest being constructed, which doesn't look oh. like a nest at all. It looks like a tree. Oh, wow. Um, and I was not aware, like I'm telling you this because like that's a very obvious arc, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I was making that. Yeah. But The reason that I've remade Nest and the reason I'm telling the story is because that is a piece about building a home and it's a piece about creating a home and a community out of the things that you find along the way rather than saying, well, this, you know, I'm making a circle with my hands right now. (laughs) I'm, I'm making a circle with my hands and saying, well, this is what the nest I grew up in looked like. So I should redo that thing. You know, it's about saying, no, that first of all dissolved and doesn't exist anymore in the same way. It was beautiful, but it doesn't exist anymore in the way that, you know, I lived in it. And also it doesn't, it didn't really make sense to me or it didn't really feel authentic to me to try and reconstruct that anyway. So even though it's really scary and even though it, it, there's no map I'm gonna try and make a different home that looks beautiful to me. Mm. And it keeps, that theme keeps coming up for Mm. me. And the homes and the, the idea of finding inspiration and having your eyes open enough to say, first of all, I want to do this my way and and being able to see along the way, yeah, it's not going to be easy to carve out a path that looks different from so many of the examples that you have. But being appreciative for all the signs and all of the people and all of the experiences that allow you to feel supported enough to do that. Um, and that is very much how I feel about good move, you know, um, having my eyes open enough to be like, Oh, it's time. It's time for me to build this nest now. And like, I have the support and all these people are lifting me up and being like, go Jules, you know? And like, and I certainly many times would have been like, thanks. Nope. Like not ready, you know, or it's too scary or I, I can't do it or, you know, and, um, and I just, I feel really grateful for having my eyes open enough to see, all of the um, support that I have in this world and um, to be able to, to see that support as kind of like the boost that I need to um, make this home, 
you know, for movement. Really. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like thinking my brain's going off into this whole other tangent right now about that metaphor of building the nest and leaving an old nest and constructing a new one out of new things and new circumstances. And maybe like it, it's entirely new. And I'm just thinking about like my own journey and, and coming into myself and feeling that it was very much that process, right? Of of seeing what I knew and then having that torn apart and then having to build something completely foreign mm-hmm. that there is no model, no map for, and to, to trust your instinct that you will have that home and it's actually going to be the right home. Yes. And, and I, I've said this multiple times on the interviews I have with people here and about like how I, important it is for people to build their own relationship to movement, right? How you cannot just copy and cut and paste different things that everyone else is doing because it worked for them. This is your experience. This is your journey. These are your choices. Build your own fucking movement. Yes. Like make it, make it up of the stuff that lights you up, that excites you, that inspires you, that challenges you. It doesn't have to be this burdensome thing that like makes you feel shitty about yourself, that pushes you under the ground and makes you feel like you can never get out of it. And I see so many people have that relationship to movement because it's all about the right thing. They're all trying to fit into some mm-hmm. old nest that's antiquated yeah. and doesn't actually suit them. Doesn't suit them for the unique individual they are at the unique moment in their life. And uh, I just love that metaphor. It's such a beautiful way of looking at it. And and you did such a great job illustrating that too with like, oh, it wasn't even a nest, it was a tree. (laughs) Or like, you know, like, oh, it's not actually like a home I live in. Now it's like this home for movement and all my people. (laughs) Um, Thank you. And yeah, there's a few really good things in there that you're talking about. I think um, with regard to the relationship that people have with movement, so much in our culture, is about and and I when I say our culture I'm I am going to be very specific here and talk about like New York City for a second. Yeah. And I'm sure that a lot of this expands beyond New York City um but because this is the microcosm that I understand the, the best right now. <laughs> um you know, movement in this city is rapid. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. People do not know how to slow the fuck down they um we (laughs) we because we are part of this (laughs) um we don't know how to slow down we work all the time living in new york city is about um hustling and success and basically being on the grind and if you don't want to do those things. There are a lot of other places that you can live really happily and a lot cheaper and have better weather. But the people who come here are here to get shit done. Um, and that energy means that people apply that to every facet of their life. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to movement as a practice, what I think that translates to is like, gym rats and like class rats like Mm -hmm. people who are going they're finding like the workout that they can become addicted to and like (laughs) fucking do it all the time and be the best at it that thing that they you know um and i'm so glad that this is changing um it's changing with 
the um, popularization, like the wide popularization of yoga, you know, like even 10 years ago, like only certain types of people did yoga, even five years ago, like, and now everybody and their mom does yoga and like finance bros do yoga and like everybody does it. And um, so I'm so glad about that because I think everyone could benefit from that and it forces you to slow down and it's like the i mean unless you are talking about some of the the new yoga <laughs> workouts that are like let's do it let's get into you know like there's like the new yorkization of yoga too which but is the, yeah. the, i think the business morphed uh versions right. of yoga like ooh, what's what's going to be the next trend that we can yes. pull yoga into to earn some money exactly be unique <laughs> but at the end of the day i'm thrilled like because yeah. if people are getting into asanas then like the world is get you know slowly getting you know very incrementally a little bit better so i do see it changing through yoga i see it changing through a lot of dance-based cardio classes that are coming out, which isn't my favorite thing, but I think it's great that there are um, classes where you can do kind of like follow along dance cardio. People are loving this shit. They're like, they're sweating. They're having a great time. The endorphins are pumping. And it's, you know, it is different than if you're just going into, you know, like hit training or if you're mm-hmm. like you are getting a different kind of release. So there are all these kind of like new things that are cropping up that I'm really thrilled about um, because they are changing the standard of like what it means to have movement practice in this crazy city. And I think people's minds are getting a little bit more open to what exactly movement means to them, which is, I think, what, also what you're trying to hit on here, which is that rather than just doing something because you want a certain physique or because you want to, you know, lift a certain number of pounds or you want to drop a certain number of pounds or whatever um, superficial reasons that a lot of I think that historically New Yorkers have gone through like exercise crazes Mm -hmm. because of the mindfulness movement and the yoga, you know, kind of integration, people are realizing this is so much more than like doing these exercises to look a certain way um, and to check it off my to-do list. This is way more connected to the relationship between my mind and my body and my heart and my body Mm -hmm. and my heart and my mind. And um, so I I look around now and I see people that a few years ago wouldn't have considered taking a dance class. And now they're like that sounds great. Mm -hmm. And, or, or they're like, I really, really want to do that, but I'm self-conscious. Um, or like, I totally would if, you know, I could get a buddy to come with me and, you know, so that's why I'm opening good move for those people who are like ready for that kind of thing. And, um, I think that we're at the, you and I spoke about this before, when I was talking to you a little bit about Good Move, but I think that we really are at the beginning of a wave um, for intentional movement. Um, And people are gonna be like, oh, but yoga and, but like, you know, all this other stuff, but it's, 
movement is so much more. Yeah. You know, and it's so, I think that when people experience um, your classes and my classes, like my hot bitch class, um, which is for absolute beginners, um, when people come in there, they don't know what to expect. And we start by totally throwing all your expectations out the window. Mm-hmm. You know, we start by getting into your, out of your head and into your body and mm-hmm. into your breath and then into your creativity and your play and your silliness. And then we learn how to do steps. Yeah, I do like, I do the exact same thing. I've like got all these chills. Um, that's, that's actually like my strategy too, is I'm always like, let's get out of your head and into your body. We're going to breathe. Yeah. You're going to make noises when you breathe. I want you to exhale loud because I want you to feel your sound yeah. vibration in your body. So like you can connect to that feeling more. And then like one of the first things I have people do is I have them walk around the space and then it's like, add a little heat, mm-hmm. add a little intensity. Mm-hmm. Like, so then like you can start to run and skip, flail your arms. And then it, I bust on some like really awesome music that like just makes you want to like turn into a wild child and I just scream at people to let go yeah and um, you have like this room of like people prancing dancing jumping shimmying gyrating like whatever they want to do and it's like such a nice way to enter into your body practice and and I'll have people reconnect to their breath like throughout like the whole 30 45 minutes that we're like getting into this zone so that you can see and feel the changes so you can continue to tap in and notice what dials have shifted, what sensations are coming through, what's opening up, what's releasing. And and the more people start to see that shift happen in real time, like then the more they're like willing to just go into there mm-hmm. instead of holding back and be like, oh my God, she's asking me to make sound when I breathe. Like, yeah. oh, that's so <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, um, I teach Pilates and mat cardio classes and I teach at a Pilates studio, East River Pilates, which is a beautiful Pilates studio. And I think that I, I'm almost positive that I was the first teacher there to ever ask clients to take a vibrational breath. And this was like, I remember the first time I did this, like, I was like, they're just not going to, they're not going to do it. Or they're gonna be like, "Mm," or, you know, everybody did it. And like Mm. some of the, I've noticed that some of the other teachers have started incorporating that too, because there's so much power in taking a vibrational breath, Mm. letting your, you letting yourself hear the sound of your exhale. Um, And that's something that I learned in yoga. And I I don't, I'm not a yoga instructor, but it's, I've been practicing for over 15 years. And I was like, you know what we need to, loosen up a little bit more before we work these deep core muscles and we're going to take a deep vibrational breath and like yeah. it took a while to catch on and I, I it's not like i what i'm saying to you doesn't sound crazy you know like but um in a pilates studio people ain't taking a lot of deep vibrational well, breaths. you know, irony that it's taken us this long to bring something like this into movement because if you actually think about the the biology of it, the biomechanics, like like the science of it, like those muscles that you're engaging, those are your diaphragmatic muscles. Mm-hmm. It's, through, it's like literally up and down your whole chakra system. And so when you when you can work that all together, 
in the tandem with your breath and then that vibration starts to sound and you build the intensity it's like the warm-up for the the true deep core of the body the deep core <laughs> isn't the abdominals or your pelvic floor it's like all that stuff that goes around your spine yeah. that like integrates everything and and when you can create that vibrational pull out there it's like being in a massage chair for all those deep muscles that you need to like connect to your intuition. Mm -hmm. Those are like your mainline connective parts to your intuitive sense of well-being. And if you don't wake those up, you're going to have a really hard time like not letting your thoughts get the better of you, not letting those judgments, objections, fears, anxiety, insecurities get in the way. Yeah. And it's so funny as we're talking, I'm like, why didn't we do this sooner? Like, <laughs> how has this not been in my life like since I was a kid? But yeah. uh uh, one of my one of my favorite people and mentors, Mike Fitch, he said this uh, in one of my interviews with him. He said, you know, it's uh, so ironic that it took us this long to come back and be like, the mind and body are connected. <laughs> like, of course they have been. They've always been. And it's like we had to get, he said, we have to get so separate from our bodies and so separate from our minds that that then we had to find our way back and understand that these two things are actually one. Mm -hmm. They're inseparable. Yeah. All right. We've had a lot of fun tangents here already. This is good. Um, I'd like to dive into one of the specific questions right now. So can you give us a little background on what your movement journey has actually been? Like what, what kind of movements were you engaging with as a kid? What spiraled into what? What's led you to where you are today? Just like that whole... Sure. Well, I was apparently a very, very um, active baby. And my mom has this diary, basically, that she had from the time I was born. And she would record every day. She would just write a little entry, like maybe a couple sentences about what I would do. And very soon after I, you know, was like on my belly, I think, I started to like, she was shocked because like, she would have me on my belly, like on a blanket on the floor and like turn around to like do something and then turn back. And I would have like moved before <laughs> I was even crawling. Like I just was moving. I was really active. Um, and I think when I was like two or three, like very, very early, I walked fast. I s learned how to swim when I was like three. I don't know, like really, really early. Mm. And she, I remember my mom freaked out because I was climbing on the furniture and she was really worried that I was going to hurt myself because I was like two years old and she bought a rope ladder and taught me how to hang upside down by my knees mm. so that I would do that and know how to do it. And she taught me how to safely bring myself down. I might have, I was probably like closer to four by this time, mm. but maybe not. Like it was very, there are pictures of me doing stuff and I look like an actual infant, but oh it's, a, yeah, it's like really <laughs> weird. Um, and I'm just like, but she, she was like, look, I trusted you because you were really strong and you were, you were moving fast and you were climbing things and you were pulling yourself up. And she was like, I just wanted to give you tools to be able to do it safely. And I didn't want you going like too far out of my line of sight and stuff. So that's why she taught me how to do this thing on the rope ladder. Um, and it wasn't, you know, it was probably like this high, right? Like she just like, yeah, it was like not, it wasn't high. She, um, 
I don't know, rigged it up in our house. And then that's what I did to like get my cellies out. I'd like go like climb up the rope ladder and hang myself upside down by my feet. I mean, by my, the back of my knees. Um, And as soon that we were living, my family was living in Bombay, India at the time. And then I don't remember, uh, I mean, I would dance around the house a lot. My dad would come home from work and he'd put on Cat Stevens and we would dance together. We'd, mm. Like he'd pick me up and we'd dance together to that. And I don't think I took any like movement class or anything until we moved to the States when I was four and a half, almost five. And shortly after that, I was enrolled in ballet and gymnastics. Mm. And I hated ballet. And I loved gymnastics a lot. Makes sense. I was tumbling yeah. all over the place. I'm already <laughs> hanging upside down. Um, I loved gymnastics. I became a competitive gymnast probably by the age of 10. And what actually even earlier than that, I started competing, I think probably around eight. I think like 10 or 11, I was competing all around the country doing national competitions. This was not USAG gymnastics. It was YMCA gymnastics. So it was a little bit less Intense. crazy pants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was more community oriented, but we were, I was like 10 years old and in the gym practicing four days a week for several hours at a time. So it was really intense. I loved it. Um, I definitely got really nervous every single time we had a competition like I definitely like don't I remember the days like waking up on the Saturday mornings that we had a meet and being like really nervous I don't I don't like miss that feeling and I think it was kind of that feeling that um made me appreciate dance so much because when I was in middle school so I went, I, I grew up in Montclair, New Jersey, which is a pretty artsy town and amazingly has a dance program in the public school system. Wow. Yeah. And in middle school, so I had dance, I had dance, that's right. I had dance in elementary school. I had dance. Yeah. I had dance as soon as I got into the school system in, uh, in Montclair. Wow. Yeah. And I, I loved dancing at school. It was a little less pressure. It was so fun. We did jazz, tap, ballet. Like we had these epic dance shows in elementary school. Uh, you know, they were probably like <laughs> two hours long and had a wow. million numbers and our parents had to <laughs> sit through them. Um, yeah, and then in middle school, I, um, I had this incredible teacher, Mrs. Kitts, Whitney Kitts, who was a Juilliard graduate, you know, one of the earlier modern dance people, um, like really earthy modern dance. Mm. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it was like very Martha Graham. I was going to say Graham. And that was my first exposure to like modern Mm. dance. I was still doing gymnastics at the time, but I, my body, I had gone through puberty, my body had changed, and all of a sudden I was developing mental blocks against like, so things that I did without thinking about when I was 10, 
all of a sudden I was 12 and I was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, I can't <laughs> throw myself into a back handspring on the balance beam that's three inches wide or whatever. Oh, wow. You know, and so things that I could do and tricks that I was working toward all of a sudden couldn't do them anymore. And that is pretty common. Hmm, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. Is it because like when your body shifts and your center of gravity changes and like your your like internal like honing system goes, we aren't equipped for this anymore. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And I think that's why like tiny kids are amazing gymnasts. First of all, their center of gravity is they're closer to the ground. Um, their strength to size ratio is much bigger. Yeah. And I just, you know, you don't have to Worry, like when you're a kid and you don't have curves and you like you don't have any extra weight you on you jiggly bits yeah you have no jiggly bits like you can just flip yourself around and nothing's gonna throw you off balance really I think that's how I mean I don't really know the physics of it but um I do know that a lot of girls um you know around the time that they went through puberty just stopped being able to do things that they had been able to do for a long time and it was a lot of it is also just being uh, developing awareness. You know, when you're a kid, you don't have fear in the same way. Like that comes in later. Mm. And, you know, I saw at a few of the national gymnastics competitions, like I saw a couple of girls really hurt themselves. So that also, once you see that, none of my team, I mean, I actually, I did have one teammate I remember who would, who would like, she landed on her neck a couple of times Ooh. and she was, I mean, kids are really resilient, but like you see people get really hurt. Um, and then at these competitions, I saw a few people who I, you know, who were not on my team really get hurt, like elbows blown out on the bars and, you know, knee knees dislocated. Like you see this stuff. And I think that also stays with you. And then, especially if you've seen somebody get hurt doing a trick that you're working on, that 100%. comes in, um, so around the time that I was introduced to modern dance in my middle school, um, I was sort of feeling like people were asking me if I wanted to continue gymnastics into high school and into college, because these are the appropriate things to ask a 12 year old. Um, <laughs> and but my gut was kind of saying, like, no. Yeah, I I felt like I had gotten it probably as good as I was, I was going to get. There was sort of a, it, or not, I, I mean, I think at the time I probably thought I've gotten as good as I'm going to get. But in retrospect, it was probably like, I think that I have done all of the tricks that I'm going to allow myself to do. Like, I'm not really willing to mm. go further or take more risks than yeah. I already have. And I didn't have the tools to understand that that was happening. But now when I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, doing one whole 360-degree rotation upside down in a layout, like a backflip, is as far as I'm going to go. I don't want to go one and a half because that's when you start blowing out your knees. That's when you start <laughs> landing on your... You know, I was like... So I had a limit, you know, I had my limits. And I was it's doing crazy shit. It's reward, right? The reward yeah. was like not worth it anymore. Yeah, it wasn't. And I, I didn't have the desire. Like, I was like, this is sick that I'm doing what I'm doing, but I don't really, and that's kind of a personality thing for me. I'm not like one of those people who's like, I need to do it until I like, you know, get to the absolute top of the, whatever. like, I'm like, no, I'm doing it for me. 
and I've done very well. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I don't want to hurt myself and I don't really want to, and I'm only getting taller and like, you know, curvier <laughs> and it's just going to get harder and harder. Um, and at the time I didn't realize that I was gonna end up being a shorter person because <laughs> everyone <laughs> promised me that I was going to be like five seven. So I was like, well, this is going to be impossible at five seven. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, and then I, you know, Mrs. Miss Kitts introduced me to modern dance and I, fell in love with modern and that was like whoa this is what I'm talking about and I could go deep and I could do this forever without feeling like you know what I don't I've kind of hit a wall with this um and I still feel that way about modern dance what what is the depth there like I mean it's probably impossible to explain I know I could but like from your perspective because you were young yeah and to and to actually have had that experience of doing some amazing physical athleticism and to feel like, uh -huh, like, you know, like there's more, but not so much. And then go to modern dance, which is so much more subtle and it's athletic, but in a different way. And, you, and your thing is like, I went, that was, I, it went deep. <laughs> yeah. like there was so much there. What was it? Um, I feel like doing goal oriented exercise was is always going to have like plateaus for me. There's always going to be a place where I'm like, I don't care enough about this to keep doing it. Yeah. Um, and with gymnastics, you know, I, it's like, feels kind of brutal to say, to say that about my first career now, <laughs> but I'm like, I think it's like, I didn't care enough about reaching those, you know, sort of, to me, seemed like arbitrary goals. Like, we're just upping the numbers. Why? What is the point? Mm. I always loved floor exercise the most because I got to dance a routine and then, like, do some flips <laughs> in it. Um, and, and, like, the greatest thrill of my gymnastics career was when they told me that I could choreograph my own floor routine, which, like, no one got to do. And I, that was, like, Actually, that was even before I really had modern dance experience or any formal dance experience. And I kind of was like, I, at that moment, I was like, I just want to choreograph everybody's flirt routine. That's what I want to do, oh. you know? And so there was parts of me that knew that I was a choreographer, yeah. really. And modern dance, you know, imagine my delight when like on the second day of class, Mrs. Kitts is like, now you're going to make up your own dance. And everyone's like, no, and I'm like, yes! Like, I was born for this. Oh, this is why we had such a connection. Like, I, I, I tell this story so many times now, but uh, yeah, I, I loved making movement. Mm -hmm. I loved creating movement. I loved improvisation. Yeah. I was the one crazy kid who was, like, yep. begging for improv time, and everyone else was like, no, 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 no. Like, they hated it so much, and to me, that was, like... That was what I like suffered through classes for. Mm -hmm. That was what I like went to ballet and tap. That's why I was Same. in the performance, uh, you know, like division. It's why I did like the thirty plus hours a week. It was so that I could get those yeah. moments, or it was just for me. And I I started choreographing solos for myself when I was like eleven. Yeah, I remember telling my teachers like I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna use this song. Like when can I use the studio? And like they would just like check in on me every once in a while. And that was the same. I used to on. 
during lunch periods go into the dance studio. And of course, like the dance teachers were always the coolest and were like, yeah, you can come here on your lunch break and like <laughs> choreograph your, you know, they were thrilled that I wasn't like in the hallway making out with boys and getting into <laughs> trouble. Um, and yeah, I, I really think that I knew then that, so that was middle school that I wanted to dance. And I did not know what that meant, like, in the real world. You know, I didn't know, oh, that means that I'm going to audition for companies and try to choreograph and, it's like, teach movement. Like, there's no, again, there's no map for mm. that kind of life. Um, I wonder if that was actually your blessing, though, that you didn't have a model and you could just kind of... I think it, for me, it certainly has been a blessing because... Well, like I said, all the things that kind of like bring me the most wonder when I think about my life are the moments of um, improvisation. And that love of improvisation in my movement life, it's a different, if anyone has done any kind of improvisation work in their lives, whether it's like improv comedy or, or freeform writing or you know, or improvisational movement and dance. Speaking. Speaking. Uh, this is a, this is a brain, there's a separate brain for that. And it's a, it's a way of being in the world where, again, it's like that thing that I was talking about before of having your eyes open enough to see what is happening and presence. Like this is something that gets over you. Like this is a phrase that like gets so overused. And, but I think what I'm talking about and the reason that I fell in love with choreography and making dances was was the um how present it made me in my own life you know mm. when you are improvising movement you are not performing you're not doing it for the way that it looks from the outside mm. you're doing it for the way that it feels and your own curiosity and um making decisions in real time mm. Again, these are, I did not know this at the time, but, you know, when I was 12 and 13, I didn't realize that that's what I was drawn to about it. But every time in my life where I have felt that way, whether it was in movement, making a dance or, you know, deciding what to do with my life or how to make money or you know in in a relationship when i have been able to drop in and operate from a place of curiosity and with my eyes really wide open that is always when i get the most magical results for my own life and my own um and my own joy and it's really like you have to create space for that um absolutely it's really easy to not see the other options especially mm. look and this is like i'm not saying that you shouldn't ever have a plan i'm just saying you can have all the plans and they might not turn out you can absolutely know for sure 100 that you want that nest to look the same way that you know you know and it might probably won't look yeah. like that yeah you might even get you might get very close maybe you might get the exact thing, same thing but maybe it won't feel the way you thought it was going to feel or maybe it won't you know so um 
I'm totally going off base here, but basically it's like, (laughs) I, I, that's a long winded way of saying that improvisation and, and, um, creative movement, movement with curiosity, movement for yourself is a mindfulness practice and a wellness practice that does and and will apply to a lot of other things in your life. Um, and having the flexibility to see that it doesn't have, that things don't have to be rigid, you know? And when I say like, it was deep, I, I got into modern dance and it was deep. I think I felt like this is not about reaching goals. This is about getting to know myself. Uh, and it's about getting to know what m- the possibilities are for me instead of having someone else tell me what the possibilities are or, you know, thinking that I know what the possibilities are and like making a plan like that. I don't know. It was a different way. I I say this, I've used this phrase before, but like there are people, not all of them are dancers, but they have this way of being in the world. And I always, I think of them as dancerly people, you know, people who are improvising groundedly, you know, like firmly with their feet on the ground improvising, breathing, flowing, you know, mm-hmm. and being in the flow. That's what I love the most about, I guess, what we call modern <laughs> modern dance yeah. and improvisation. Yeah. Um, that's how I came to it. And that is what is the most important part of it for me. I love everything you said, especially framing possibility into this because that's been my experience with it too um i like to use the words of you know chaos versus structure and everybody wants control and structure but the reality is that's on a continuum and if you want to exist successfully on any continuum you need to understand both ends and i I mean you could take it even further and say it's not even really a continuum it's a closed circle it's a loop it's a cycle because if you even look at chaos within chaos there is a form of structure there's this um philosopher who used to be a concert pianist his name is Irvin Laszlo and he has this beautiful sentence he says where you know people are so afraid of chaos but like chaos is the fundamental theme of the universe and actually we were birthed from chaos all this organization you see all this beautiful harmonic coherence it's from chaos so chaos is actually not really chaos the way we think that's where the underlying order is Mm -hmm. and the second we need structure and rigidity and rules we are pulling ourselves out of that harmony so when you can move and improvise or improvise in any way but I think there's something really magical about being able to improvise with your body it's different than just speaking improvisation or writing improvisation because it's connected to all parts of yourself simultaneously it's like mind body spirit all of it Mm -hmm. and when you can get there and get comfortable with not being comfortable and be okay with not being perfect and be open to the mistakes and the flops and looking like a fool you're actually also opening up to the magic, right? And the, that possibility. If you if you don't expose yourself to not knowing an outcome, 
you can't see the potential. You can't see the other options out there because if you're always trying to create a outcome, you're going to be looking through that one slit in the window over and over and over and miss the rest of the view. Yeah. Yeah. And I have come to think about this way of being as a dancerly way of being. And I'm sure there are other people with other practices who identify it in a different way. Yeah, like meditation, even like the ancient yogic traditions. But you're 100% right. There's something also, there's something when you were just speaking, I kept hearing the word vulnerability. And so much of performance and making a, of a dance is about making yourself vulnerable. And that is true for most art forms, I think, that in order to really tap into something kind of universal, um, you need to be able to be very vulnerable. And for me, the wellness part of my practice came in because as a choreographer and performer, there are a lot of highs and lows. It's basically an emotional roller coaster. (laughs) Um, And I knew, you know, when I started dancing professionally, which happened right for me right out of college, I was Mm. thrilled to be dancing professionally. But I also knew that like emotionally, it wasn't going to be able it I wasn't gonna be able to sustain that high high low uh wave you know um that for me I was going to have to be able to tap into that vulnerability and also ground it in all kinds of um wellness sort of like wellness and healing and it's kind of a full-time job to fine-tune your mind and body and spirit to be able to perform and to make work Mm -hmm. at a high level you know it's like so I think that's what that's what kind of brought me to um the other ways that I move like so it brought Mm -hmm. me that that feeling of okay there's so much vulnerability required. There is so much chaos and I'm fine. I'm, I accept that. I accept that. (laughs) And for both my physical body and my mind, I also need to have counter practices that are root, making me feel rooted um, in this way. So again, the yoga practice, the Pilates practice, literally the practice of building my core so yeah. that I can be, you know, and all of these things are, they are metaphors and, and also they're not, they're like, it's the literally my core and it's, and it's figuratively my core. Um, Isn't it funny how yeah. they're always everything and not everything at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's so interesting. I would yeah. just love love hearing you talk about vulnerability too. And something that popped into my head listening to that is how I think we have a lot of assumptions about what vulnerability means. And it's easy to see vulnerability equating to weakness, right? Like and yeah. like the cracks in who you are. And it's it's so much more than that. I think that's a kind of uh, mutated perception. I think vulnerability is really 
a practice in being able to open up to all parts of yourself without judgment, mm-hmm. to be exposed and yeah. to be open. And I mean, even the word exposed, it's beautiful and it's terrifying mm-hmm. at the same time. And yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because I vulnerability is not a bad thing. It's a really important thing to come into contact with. And things like movement and especially improvisation, like they hand it to you, they slap it in your mm-hmm. face. Like <laughs> there's no running from that there. Yeah. So take you to another question. Uh, what does movement mean to you or how would you define movement? Well, I think that we have sort of talked about a lot of different uh definitions and I believe that they're all equally important so um, you know as I just said before I think this dancerly way of being in the world there is the physical part of that which is how do I physically move through the world mm-hmm what is my physical expression saying? What is my body saying unconsciously? And what is my, what story is my physical body telling in the world? So mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's something I think about a lot. And then the practices the practices of movement, which I also talked about, which are the wild, powerful uh, practice of modern dance, Um, the stabilizing, grounding practices of Pilates and yoga, um, the strengthening practices of functional fitness, I could go on. I could go on. There's so much. There's so much uh, life in all of these different sort of like genres of mm-hmm. movement. And they really are important to me. I, and I almost said equally important to me, which isn't true because dance is the most <laughs> important, obviously. Bias. That's why I'm on this podcast. <laughs> um, but they are they are all so important to me because this physical body is the way that I experience the world. And how do I experience it? Through movement. And whether that is me walking from one place to another or me getting myself on a plane and, you know, going out and physically moving or mm-hmm. um or flying uh this is the way that I am in the world and it's the it's the there are I I know I'm I know that there are people who experience the world in a lot of different ways not everybody experiences it through movement but this is the primary lens um that I came here with, you know, and, and that's not something that I feel like I chose, Hmm. you know, hearing my mom, reading my mom's diary of when I was first born. She's like, she talks about me like expressing with my fingers and toes, opening my hand, you know, moving my fingers and toes 
so much. She knew that I was going to be a dancer, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, the spiritual side of me is like, I was a dancer. I, you know, I've been a dancer in past lives and I came into this world already as a dancer Mm -hmm. and as a very, very physical um, person. And people use that to, to describe a few different um, things like, you know, people being a physical person can mean that you need a lot of physical touch or affection. It can mean that you are really active. It can mean that, um, you know, you are on always, you know, always on the go or whatever, but it can also just mean that you are aware of your physical body of this Mm -hmm. earthly vessel in an, um, in a heightened way. Yeah. Um, because I am a very active person. I don't think anyone who knows me would argue with that, but I also, I value rest and quiet and, uh, stillness just as much as I value movement. And for, I think for a, for a, very physical person stillness is still is as physical as anything else you know it's It's there's as long as there's breath in the body there's movement yeah um and i'm realizing what a movement nerd i am right now oh my god it's so good it's like I'm like, can we talk for another hour? Yeah, I'm not done yet. A, yeah, and it's yeah, it's just like it's not about go 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 all the time. I'm a New Yorker, so yeah, I work my ass off just like everybody else does here. But that's not what I pride myself on. I actually one of the things that I'm the most proud of myself for is learning how to rest my weary bones and take <laughs> care of my body. You know, it's so funny because. Like, I live in this city, and people are always like, oh, it's so, like, I have actually done so much work over the last three years to scale down my life so it's not that crazy New York lifestyle. Yeah. And so that my operative isn't to hustle and to grind, and it's because I just was realizing I was always running myself into the ground that yeah. way. And, you know, I I see people, I meet people who live a very different experience in the city, and I feel kind of like... At times, it's grandma who, like, occasionally yeah. goes out and does work stuff and life stuff. But mostly, I'm, like, sitting on this couch here, knitting blankets and hats and, like, just, like, chilling out to some ambient music in the background. <laughs> but that's also partly why, like, you and I have jobs. Because other people are like, oh, I want to learn how to do that, too. Because yeah. it's not something that we're taught, you mm-hmm. know. And movement, like, when I say, like, movement people or dancerly people, it's like this awareness that you only have this one body and an urgency to express as much as you can with this one body while also taking the very, very best care that you can of, of this one body, because, you know, this is not, a this isn't a permanent thing yeah (laughs) you know and it's hard to wrap your head around that as a young person because 
Well, you're so spazzed out about all these other things. (laughs) But, you know, I remember being the youngest dancer in my company um, that I, that has been my, my dance home for the longest time, Douglas Dunn and dancers. Um, And when I first joined that company in 2010, I remember the other dancers would get to rehearsal like an hour or more early. And I'd roll up right on the dot and like take off my sweats and be like, leg up, you know? (laughs) And they would all be like, ha ha, that's so cute. You know, like just wait. And I remember in my late, mid, I think it was like 27 when I first was like, wait a minute. Ow. <laughs> Everything hurts. <laughs> and I, I feel so grateful for all the dancers, all the the dancers who were older than me in the company who were so patient with me and didn't like totally make fun of me for being like, ah, I hurt. And they're all like, well, that's because you actually need to warm up before you do this. Right. Yeah. And I, I really do think that most of the practices that I learned that I um, that I teach I learned from other dancers, from older dancers, because I was like, wow, these people are like five to 10 to 15 to 30 years older than I am. Mm. Like Douglas Dunn is 76 years old. He's still dancing. And I was like, okay, I have already identified a long time ago that this is something I want to do as long as I possibly can. Hmm. this is my, this is what I'm going to do. So how can I do this as long as I possibly can? It's not going to be dancing for choreographers who don't give a shit about my body and use me to do some crazy stuff on stage. That's going to blow my knees and hips out. Hmm. No, it's going to be finding a movement that finding um, movement styles and working with people who respect me as a person and an artist and a dancer and a human and a human a body you know not just paint on their canvas canvas. and douglas was certainly you know the absolute um epitome of what what that meant so he he is I always describe him this way, so generous of spirit. And he saw, he really does see all of his dancers as individuals. If you ever see the company perform, we all look so different. Um, And he takes time with us and he, uh, you know, he really values us. So I knew that that was gonna be a special place for me to develop as a dancer, but listening to and watching the, older dancers i'm saying older but like some of them were just a few years older than me and some of them were quite a bit Mm -hmm. older than me and um just being like i need to pay attention to what they're doing Mm -hmm. because they are caring for themselves with a dedication like i'd never seen before and it's interesting now because when people come to me in my pilates classes or in cardio or if they want you know personal private trainings private sessions a lot of times people will say, I have this injury that's been bugging me forever. And most of the time I'm like, 
well, you know, what have you done for it? And the answer is usually like, I mean, I like iced it for like two days and that was it. And I'm like, well, this is what I learned from watching the dancers is like, you have to become obsessed with self care. Mm -hmm. And it become like at first, if it's not a part of your routine, it can be hard to integrate it. But once it is a part of your routine, you cannot go back. You're like, this is because you feel so much better. You feel well taken care of because you are. Yeah. Um, I love developing that dialogue with my own body. Yeah. Like I've loved being able to see my body as like really the, the one relationship that's going to be with me my whole life. Yeah. It's a relationship. It isn't me you know, like managing this like automobile. No. You know, it, it's actually its own entity and it's signaling me. It's way smarter than me. Yes. It knows way more than me. And like, I like me and my little like human brain, like I know so little compared yeah. to this vessel. So uh, I love being in conversation with it and being able to learn to pick up the signals it's offering me, learning to like feel those nudges and those little you know, taps on the shoulder of like, oh, I need help here. Like you, you have not been this, this is something that needs your attention, your like, attention. That's yeah. really important. Yeah. And I think being in, I think saying it that way, those words being in conversation with your body is such a nice way to think about it. And yeah, exactly. Like what you said, I feel like I spend most of my life just catching up to what my body already knows, like figuring out what my body already knows. Yeah. Um, and that's everything from the intuition that you feel literally in your gut um, to paying attention to what my body is doing in different situations, telling it it's, there's so much information um, and injuries too are information. Yeah. I always like to think of them as like these gifts of, Oh yeah. This whole facet of your life and your body you've never looked at before. We're going to take a good hard look at it for the next few months. If you're willing, yeah, you know, that's a very positive spin on it. I also <laughs> have, I mean, I, I last year was the first time that I ever sustained any injuries. Oh, and you're on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> I know. And I was such a little wuss about it. And, um, you know, I, one of my really good friends here is, um, a physiotherapist. She's Australian. And, she, thank God, helped me mm. and and rehabilitated me because I don't got the insurance that takes care of as much PT as I need, um, which is a lot. And I remember feeling quite emotional about the fact that my body was failing me, and you know. Yeah. And, and she was like, "To be honest, you know, like, yeah, this isn't great." that you dislocated your shoulder or that you got whiplash, but you're really damn lucky that you made it 31, 30 years without sustaining impact injuries. I, I started getting injured at 17 and I had a slew of things from 17 to 27. I had something going on and one literally from my foot, like through the top of my head, my shoulder, my hip, my back, my knee, my like, Every possible injury you could yeah. imagine, like, and, and a lot of them were grueling. Like, my shoulder was a partial dislocation, and that happened like thirty times in oh, a three-year span. It happened on stage multiple <gasps> times. It was 
horrific and uh yeah, that's I'm, why I've I'm cultivated a I such I've cultivated such a positive relationship with injuries because for me they've been my greatest teachers mm-hmm. so that now I'm in the world 28 soon to be 29 and I I am like in the strongest body I've ever had the most capable the most athletic the most flexible and mobile like I am so far beyond where I was when I was a 12 year old that's amazing and it was because these injuries like forced me to take like a way deeper look at what was going on with my body is actually why I became a personal trainer. I was like, I'm going to hack this shit. I'm never going to get injured again. I'm going to be bulletproof. And it was such a wonderful journey to go down because it also offered me so much more respect for dance as a medium and, and to be able to see how all these things come together. Like you were saying, those different genres of movement, how they all are valuable in their own way to tap into the grounding nature, this mm-hmm. the fire and the strength or the water and the fluid or the airy and the, you know, free flowing. It's, you know, I'm getting all into like my Native American element <laughs> metaphors now. All right, cool. So do you have any final thoughts you would like to impart on the audience as we wrap things up here? I feel like I've imparted way more than the audience could ever possibly <laughs> want to know about me or my feelings. Well, I guess like some words of wisdom, <laughs> like what, what you would want people to hold on to as they as they continue their own movement journey and evolution. I just think that movement is so liberating and so empowering. And, you know, if you have any impulse or any desire whatsoever to um, experiment with any kind of movement that I would just send you all of the positive reinforcement to go do that because it really, really can change your life and change your outlook and change how you are in the world um and in this crazy world that we live in you know any opportunities for flow and flexibility and community and grounding i think are uh weighing in the positive balance so that's all amazing (laughs) that was beautiful so for our listeners who are enamored with you as i am uh, (laughs) who want to get in touch with you seek out more of your work where to contact you how to how to get involved and all the offerings you have where can we find you um you can find me personally on instagram at juice like a juice box with an S-H-I. It's a play on words of my name. And if you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can find me at bodyelectricnyc.com. And if you are interested in dancing like the hot bitch you always knew you were, you can find me at hotbitch.nyc, which is not... A porn site. Oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I hope you will all stay tuned and reach out to me with any questions about my 
forthcoming dance studio, Good Move, which is going to be opening in Williamsburg in April of 2019. So soon. So excited. And I think the website for that is goodmovenyc.com. No, I know. That's what it is. But it's not up and running yet. So find me in the other places first. It will be when this airs. <laughs> um, it will be when this airs. You yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Jules. Thank you Loved for having, having me. you. Awesome. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode on this thing called movement. I'm your host, Marie Jansek. And if you're interested in connecting with me directly, you can find me on Facebook under the name Marie Janicek and on Instagram at Marie Janicek. If you enjoyed this episode, Don't forget to leave us a review and make sure to share with your friends and family. In the meantime, I can't wait to connect with you all next week when we bring on our next guest. Until then, make sure to get out there and move.